Hello everyone, it's Chris here from the In The Saddle podcast and for this episode I was delighted to be joined by jockey Josephine Gordon. Now I haven't been following racing for that long and I first followed the sport in 2016 and she caught my eye that year when she won the champion apprentice title. She had a great battle with uh, Tom Marquand and ever since then I've always kept an eye out for her ride and she's one of my favourite jockeys and it was a real privilege to interview her. She's been on a bit of a rebuilding mission in the last uh, couple of years and it was great to chat with her to see uh, what challenges she's had and what she's up to these days. So I hope you really enjoy this interview. I know I enjoyed making it. But if you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. Make sure you leave us a review if you listen on iTunes as well. Leave us a rating. We'd love to hear all the feedback you've got to say. So make sure you do it if you haven't done so already. But enough of me uh, chatting. I leave you now with myself and Josie and I hope you enjoy this podcast. So for this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Josephine Gordon. Thanks for coming on, Josie. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. No, it's a real pleasure. Um, so the first question, let's take it back to where it all started for you. How did you get into racing? Do you come from a racing family at all? And how did you get introduced to the sport? Um, no, actually. Um, we, when I was younger, we've always kind of had ponies, horses, mum has, with all of us kids have been dragged up sort of thing with the horses. Um, so I learned from a young age. And then we got a pony, a 14-year-old, 14-2 pony, and we couldn't do much with it because she was very buzzy and quick. So we thought we'd give it a go pony racing her. And kind of from there, I think I got the buzz um, and the drug of it, really. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, and then I applied to the racing course when I was 16 at um, the racing school in Newmarket and done that and they obviously placed you with a job and I went to Annabelle Murphy which uh, she's a jumps trainer in um, Stratford upon Avon which is really good fun that was um, a good experience and then I'd done so I'd done two years with her and then I'd done uh, another two years with uh, Joe Hughes in Lambourne and then I moved to Stanmore's and done two years with him um, and now finally I'm in, up in Newmarket so yeah it's been a roller coaster but it's been a good experience so far. Yeah you've had a long journey in a short space of time but um, I just want to go back to when you said you went to Newmarket and you went through the British Racing School do you think that gives if you're come, an up-and-coming jockey or you're looking to become a jockey in the sport that gives you a real grounding to like learn all the ropes? A hundred percent I do, yeah. I mean, some people will probably disagree and some people will agree. Um, for me, it's a complete, um, it's just a complete different style of riding to what I've been taught. I've been taught, you know, dresser, show jumping, cross country. So it was kind of almost going back to the basics. Um, I think they've actually extended the course now, but I'm not too sure on that. But nine weeks is very quick. You probably want to be there a bit longer if I was a bit fussy, but I did. I went away, um, you know, really enjoying it, and I felt I learned a lot from it as well. And I think it gives you, you know, at the age of 16, it gave me an idea of what the racing industry is going to be like and what it's going to be like working in a racing yard, you know. 
And, and what were the big challenges for you when you started out as an apprentice? Was it trying to pin yourself down and getting a job as an apprentice jockey at a stable? Or what, what, what are the biggest challenges, would you say, when you started out? Oh, I think that there is so many different challenges. I think for everyone there is, you know, there's a lot of um, young females and males that want to be jockeys at the age of 16. And obviously a lot don't make it, but I think, it, you know, you've got to prove yourself and it's not always about being the best rider. And I had to work very, very hard with, you know, the likes of in the yard, you know, there was a lot of other younger kids that wanted to have rides as well but it was more or less the one that was working the hardest deserved it they'd get the rides so i always made sure i was up feeding the horses and you know trying to prove myself but um you know when with that the riding does come with it so i think i think it's just yeah no it's just working as hard as you can really and it wasn't too long before you got your chance to go to a top yard in Hugo Palmer's. How did that? Um, how did that opportunity to go to one of the more powerhouse trainers, you could say, develop? Um, I, well, I think I was. It actually took me a while to get into the position that I was in, you know. But I think um, being working for Stan Moore and being his apprentice. He wasn't afraid to put me on all of his horses. I literally must have ridden them, and he was having a lot of runners. Um, and I think it's just once you get noticed, and thank goodness um, Hugo Palmer, you know, picked me out. I had a few rides for him and a few wins. I think my first few rides were like my first six rides were actually winners for him, so I was very lucky. And obviously, I was still claiming it that. Also, my agent at the time, Jay, he is um, married to Hugo Palmer's um, assistant trainer. So um, that that helps as well, you know. Um, but no, it was it, that was a good experience going there. And um, and when you were there, you became um, a apprentice champion jockey in twenty sixteen. When you became a champion apprentice, did you sit down with your agent at the start of the season and you both said this could be like a reasonable target for us to to go for? Because I've interviewed a few apprentice jockeys that are coming through the ranks and it's a real aspiration of theirs to try and achieve because normally you kind of like blitz it and you go for it in one season. Was that something you discussed as a potential target? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. We sat down uh, and we said, yeah, that, that, that is the aim. And obviously we were up against Tom Mark one as well. But no, that was kind of the plan. We always sit down and um, have plans. You know, we wanted to get to 100 winners as well in the year. So, yeah, no, set set goals. Um, and when you, you decide that you're going to go um, and try and aim for that goal, do you think it helps you as a jockey as well, getting out there and riding for lots of different people would you say that that was an important you learn as an apprentice actually building up contacts for riding for different stables yeah definitely i think you know if you have a goal and you've aimed, you're, you you aim yourself for it and push yourself for it a bit more aren't you um you know and i think it's the same for these younger kids as well and i think when you do get on a roll and ride a few winners um you can't really stop you almost want to keep going and keep those connections for when you do lose your claim hopefully the majority of them will then proceed to support you 
And once you became um, Champion Apprentice, you started to uh, get put on better rides, started to ride more group and listed uh, uh, calibre horses. What was it like when you won um, on Corapic, who was your first group winner, when he won the group three at Newcastle? What was it like to finally get that landmark victory of becoming a group winning jockey? Uh, yeah, it was a brilliant feeling. It was a buzz. It was fantastic. I think uh, for me, I have I, obviously every winner is special, but um, my first ride was very special to me. My first winner and my first group winner as well. Um, so I mean, words probably can't really describe. Everybody aims for that, you know, having group winners and the fact that I actually got there and had had it. You know, it was. Um, that was a brilliant feeling. And and in the last couple of years, you've kind of drifted away from Hugo's. You know, you've still ridden a little bit through him. What is it? What's what are the main? We we kind of maybe touched upon it already. But what are the main challenges when you leave like such a major stable like that, and you're not getting so many rides? Uh, do you have to go back to those connections you built up maybe as an apprentice, and try and pick and choose, choose and try and find as many rides as you can? Is it quite challenging um, once you you don't have that support anymore? Yeah, I think it is. I think because when I was an apprentice, I was majority of the time riding for everyone and anyone um, sort of thing, you know. And obviously, um, when I went to Hugo Palmer, obviously Hugo Palmer would get first choice of using me. Um, so, And it was brilliant. And it was such, um, you know, it was the best move for me at the time. Um, but at the end of the day, when you do leave a big job like that, all your eggs have been in one basket. So it's a bit difficult again to make up some more connections. So I mean, you almost not quite, but you almost do have to start from scratch again and just rebuilding, rebuilding a bit, you know. Yeah, and and last season you started to get a bit more. Um, you started to ride out for more different trainers. How did you get to ride for the likes of Andrew Bolden, Rafe Beckett, Kevin Ryan? You riding for some big names there. Had you ridden with them before? How did all those opportunities come about? Yeah, no, I've actually ridden ridden a few winners and stuff for them before, even when I was claiming. Um, so they've always used me a bit, but I think. Because I'm obviously they've got quite good jockeys themselves, but because I'm quite a lightweight jockey and jockey and I do um, bottom weight, um, quite handy if they've got say you know a nice horse in a big big handicap with with eight stone. Um, so it, I mean that's that that's the idea um, idea of um, being light. So no, well, yeah, I, I guess it, you've always got to look for your strengths and how you can apply yourself, I guess, as a jockey. Um, but also as well, in the last couple of years, you you were able to be part of the winning girls team on the Shergar Cup. What was what was that like, actually competing as a team, like with um, Hayley Turner and Holly? Is that quite different to just riding in, individually? Is it? Do you like the like being involved as as part of a team? Um, it, the Sarah Cup is brilliant fun. It is good fun. You're riding for trainers or riding horses that you, you wouldn't normally because it's ticked, up, ticked out of a hat pretty much. Um, and yeah, obviously I get on with Hayley and Holly very well. They're good friends. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's almost a little bit more relaxed, you know, and we are cheering each other on and getting a bit revvy in the, uh, in the changing room and stuff. So it, it, it's a good laugh. Um, but no, it's nice, you know, if 
it's always good to see a girl have a winner anyway, but when you're in a team, it's even better. Yeah, and in that event as well, you compete with jockeys from all around the world. Do you like seeing other jockeys from whether if they come from Japan or other parts of Europe? Do you like testing yourself against the very best and seeing how other jockeys ride as well? It is interesting, you know. Everybody has their own style anyway, um, and you know, like the, the jockeys over in Japan, their style would be a lot different to ours. So, you know, and it is most of the time it's the best competing against the best um, at the Shergar Cup. But it's it's quite interesting how every style is different and how um, how the horses respond to it. But um, and also some places, um, say France, they just their fractions would be a little bit slower to ours. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it is quite interesting. Uh, it, it, it must be a fascinating event to compete in. But um, moving on to what you're up to these days, um, would you say one of your main supporters that you get quite a lot of opportunities for is with uh, Sean Keatley? How did that come about? Because he used to be a trainer many years ago, didn't he? And then he's kind of come back on the scene in the last year or two. Um, I've noticed you've had quite a few winners with him. Yeah, uh, do you know, I've actually known uh, Sean Keatley for a very, very long time. Um, previously, when I first moved to Lambourne, he was there, um, and I used to just help a little bit in the lunchtime and ride a few of his breakers. So, I mean, we've always known each other, and it just so happened he's moved up to Newmarket, so I was able to go and ride his horses and have a with them whenever whenever he needs me sort of thing. And uh, yeah, no, last year um, it worked out very well. His horses were running very well, you know. Um, and this year again, I'm, I'm riding a lot of them. Um, and it, I always think it's good going in. and You know the horses inside out. And most of the time, Sean, would, would he'd let me do, you know, he'd let me do whatever I want sort of thing on the horses because I know them. Yeah, and, and even though he's not... Uh, top trainer in his own right and he, he deals with a lot of it's fair to say more lower grade horses he does place his horses quite well and do, do, do you think um even though like you're not riding like big and big horses on the big occasions with him it's still nice to like go to like a smaller track and know you're going to have some chances that are going to try your heart out yeah exactly a hundred percent and um yeah no it's, that's what it's really about i mean it would it would be um nice to be back on say the likes of uh, group horses and stuff but it is what it is um and i am at the moment rebuilding towards doing that so um i mean any winner counts at the moment and um, and one horse that you you actually got a list of success with towards the end of last year was a mild illusion for johnny portman um what was she like to ride and do you have any plans to keep the ride again this year or get some opportunities with her Oh, I actually believe that um, he, she has been sold. Oh, okay. Um, I want to say she, uh, uh, she's been sold and she, they are going to breed from her, but I'm not 100% sure on that. That was the last I heard. Um, she was, I first rode her at Newmarket and she was this little filly. She was absolutely tiny and she was a little hairy thing and she was so relaxed down at post. Like, she didn't even feel like she was a racehorse. I just... Um, but she's just got a heart of gold and she just tried her best. She, you know, it's not all about looks anyway at the end of the day, is it? And uh, I think it's 
you really appreciate that as well, you know, especially for Mr. Portman. Um, he had his good filly a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, it was nice for him to have another good filly and uh, hopefully he'll have a, a, one, a one this for this year or, well, even next year, yeah, yeah. if he's not going to plan. Um, I know, but it's always nice to have a nice little surprise at that for a little filly. And 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 moving forward in your career, you've talked about that you're kind of in a rebuilding process at the moment. Does that give you the belief that Mild Illusion isn't with one of your more notable names as such, as a, from a trainer's yard? But like maybe if you just get the right horse, and there are sometimes maybe these surprise horses that come out of like these le- lesser so-called yards. Does that give you hope that if you maybe can develop a bond with a horse and go on a journey with them, that can maybe help you get back on uh, group horses again and have good chances on the Saturday meetings? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice, I mean, for sure, Keatley to get a nice, good Saturday horse, and it could happen. Um, But yeah, mild illusion, I think, a bit of a surprise for everyone. But yeah, it, it, it is possible for it to happen, and I do think um, these smaller yards appreciate it when a, a nice one comes along. No, no, definitely. And and these days, uh, Adam Brooke is now your agent. How did you get to team up uh, with Adam and what plans have you got moving forward with Adam? Um, I think, well, because I'm on a rebuilding kind of stage, I thought I'm going to try something different. And Bill Shea my previous agent, done an absolutely fantastic job and I can't fault him at all. Um, but I just think I needed a change. I need to change a few things. I um, I met Adam Brooke actually through uh, Sean Keatley. He rung up Sean Keatley and left a, um, a voice message, obviously, for his jockeys looking for the right. And I just thought he sounded very good. So I thought um, we'll, we'll give it a go. And obviously he's just started off again. So he's got a few people in his books. And he got Dougie Costello going um, last year, kind of the back end of the year. And obviously we've got this lockdown now, which isn't ideal. Mm. But, um, I mean, and he's very enthusiastic. And at the moment he's encouraging me to kick on. And maybe it's a kick up the bum I need. <laughs> No, de- no, definitely. You always need a bit of someone fighting your corner and giving you a bit of motivation. But when we do go back to racing, do you have any horses that you know that you're going to be hopefully getting the ride on? And any that you're looking forward to getting back riding? <laughs> I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, I, can't, I haven't really been riding that much. I've only been into Sean's, obviously. Um, it's been quite strict because we're not really allowed out to do too much. Um, I mean, just just getting back on any horse right now, I'm looking forward to I just want to get back on the race track. Now, well, hopefully it's not uh, too long again before we uh, start racing, but I will definitely uh, be looking out for your rides and hopefully uh, you can get back in the winners' enclosures soon and have a good year ahead. But uh, that's all we've got time for in this episode, uh, Josie. I really appreciate it, giving up your time, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much. For more podcasts, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. You can follow us on social media using our Twitter handle at In The Saddle Pod. And we're now on Instagram where our name is In The Saddle Global.